I'm Scott Stewart. This is TMA Talks. We're with Professor Edward Altman, Professor Emeritus of Finance at NYU Stern. Uh, and his book is Corporate Financial Distress, Restructuring and Bankruptcy, 4th Edition. Uh, Professor Altman, in your opinion, are we in a period of economic volatility? And economists will debate this all the time. And while your Z-score seems to indicate that there's something, something afoot that is unsettled and that people aren't quite sure what it exactly means, it seems that we're not in that, uh, we're not in that period of uh, stagnancy that we've been in for such a long time where yeah. money was pouring in and leverage was building up. What do you think? Well, it's a tough uh, question now to, uh, to answer because my instincts in terms of uh, risk levels is that I haven't ever seen it as high as it is now in terms of the amount of leverage that's been built up and the um, ability of companies to, um, to get financing even when their outlook is very grim, which can change on a dime. Now, I believe that we are in this pretty uh, high level uh, GDP growth, and if that stays, and I, I don't think it will, but if that stays at that level, we will not have another crisis. Well, the, well, the th- the three point two percent growth this last quarter was a, was a surprise to everybody. Um, but even if it's two percent, yeah, uh, stock, and I think that's the not going to bring no, us down. I, you're right. The predictions were, I think, for the year two point seven percent, which is still yeah. significantly below what we've seen in recent years, but still uh, a very health, healthy clip yeah. of growth. Yeah. But uh, what we've looked at is the following. There's a metric that I like very much to look at, and it's um, non-financial corporate debt as a percentage of GDP. <clears throat> and you can look back, and you'll find there'll be th- there was three times when that reached a very high level, a peak. And within 12 months, we had a financial crisis. 1991, 01-02, and of course, 08, 09. And each one of those had 12 months or nine months or six months earlier, you know, it ranged between six and 12, the peak in non-financial debt as a percentage of GDP. We are now today in a peak higher than any of those prior three. So that's the amount of indebtedness relative to the cash flow of the economy. But Every time there was a spike in default rates following that peak was coincident with an economic recession. So I'm convinced, Scott, that we will not have another crisis. We will not have another peak in default rates, in uh, bankruptcies in general, unless we have an economic recession. So so let me ask you, maybe this is a little curveball question. So let's look out of our little bubble here called the United States of America, and let's look into the Eurozone. Yeah. There are a bunch of uncertainties there that can create instability that might reverberate uh, negatively here. So let me just ask you about that. Yeah. Are the stars kind of aligning? Brexit is, you know, the great unknown out there. But it looks like, it looks like Germany is well on its way to heading into a significant recessionary yeah, period. I agree. And, and usually that causes a good deal of Europe to follow. Um, with that kind of volatility out there, how does this affect your kind of more global analysis of what's going on? Actually, 
uh, I'm very happy you mentioned Germany because most people are not focusing on Germany because th they see the areas that are already soft. You know, the, the, uh, the Italian situation, for example, has been soft for more than 10 years and it's not getting any better. Although, uh, you know, people are still flocking there as tourists and eating the pasta and enjoying, enjoying it very much. I'm a big Wiener Schnitzel fan myself. <laughs> okay, you like Schnitzel. <laughs> but um, Germany's biggest problem today is not the rest of the Eurozone. It's not the United States. It's China. And I think Europe is most vulnerable now to a major downturn if China has let's just say a hard landing, let, not, not necessarily a recession, nobody's ca calling that there. But if China you know, goes to five, five and a half percent growth rate, you could say most people would love to have that, but five, five and a half percent of China would be a, a big um, downturn. That will of course affect companies normally selling to China, like Germany in particular. So Germany's getting weaker, not only they have political unrest, which is, uh, you know, a background type issue. But the main thing is that they can't depend on sales to a lot of the other European countries as much as they could before. And definitely China is down. Well, now that you throw the, now that you throw China into the mix, which is a great segue to the uh, trade issues that we're having with China right now. So yeah. if you have the Eurozone, particularly with Germany, very dependent on its relationship with China, and now we're having trade issues with China, how does that, throwing that in the mix, uh, affect what might occur here? Well, the trade issue, I think, is not uh, a fundamental issue with uh, Germany and the other countries' impact. I think the trade issue is, you know, political posturing and will, of course, affect GDP growth. But most economists who really are savvy on the international tr trade say that, you know, the, the trade issue, uh, positive or negative, whether they solve it or they don't in the next, uh, and it doesn't look like they're going to come to an agreement uh, tomorrow, uh, so the, the tariffs will be increased. That will put pressure on the financial markets. I don't think... And it will put pressure on the American consumer, big mistake, I think. And it will put pressure on companies that want to sell to China because China's going to back up even more. That will exacerbate the problem. I think the fundamental problem in China is it's been growing for so long, for so high, it's normal for it to be uh, dropping in its growth rate. Well, isn't that something that's kind of happening right here at home where – We've been growing so long, so high, and so much money has been poured into the markets, particularly from the private equity sector. That oh, that's we're, another we're, issue, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that, because you talk a lot, both in your book and in a lot of articles, about long-term leverage and low-cost finance. Yes. And, you know, I'll go back to something I said earlier. Are, are we just float, floating through time with our blinders on and not looking at... Uh, the effects of that, including a possible correction, even if we don't go into a recession. I don't think we've got the blinders on completely because if I was a CFO of a company, I would take advantage of these low interest rates over this period of time too. And, and I would hope that the blinders would not be on me when I'm looking at it. It makes a lot of sense to be opportunistic with respect to interest rates. But here's the difference between now and, say, when I was a graduate student at UCLA in the 60s or even the 70s. Back then, you took advantage of low-cost debt knowing that you could 
usually issue equity in the future to keep your target debt equity ratio pretty much intact. So you, it's like you move up and down depending on the cycle of interest rates and stock prices. But what has changed is since the financial crisis of 08-09, the correlation between stock prices and risky debt prices has spiked dramatically. It's now between 0.7 and 0.75 correlation. Now that doesn't mean necessarily too much to a lot of people. They don't know what a, a correlation coefficient of 0.5, 6, or 7 is. But, uh, and, and frankly, it, it's a number that I calculate. But what I think is more important is that when we have a reversal in the credit markets, there more than likely will be a reversal in the equity markets of an equal or greater amount. And that's not something that's traditional, correct? That Usually the correlation was much lower. Right. And now you can't switch so easily to equity when you have problems with your debt, which will happen. Uh, and most people are thinking now that the probability of a recession, now I'm not an economic forecaster, so don't. this is not my forecast. But I oh, read, anyone in this industry is an armchair economic forecaster. <laughs> well, I, I don't even try. But what I like <laughs> to do is look at surveys. I like to look at you know the, the way they, uh, the, uh, uh, the trends are going. Uh, I would say that 75% of economists today believe we will have a recession no later than 2021. About 60, uh, 55% think it'll happen either in 2020, uh, in 2020 uh, and about 10% think it'll happen in 2019. So relatively small potential this year, much bigger in 2020, and culminating in three quarters of economists well, think it'll happen by 2021. And, and well, let me, I have two follow-up questions to that. Why is that? Because the, sign, the writing is not on the wall that clearly, although, uh, agree with me, if you will, that there is segment volatility that's causing people to scrutinize where the economy is going. But it doesn't, even, even if we don't have as robust growth as we've had, and everybody does see a slowdown as inevitable because it's just, the steam's running out, the uh, tax breaks have, have worn right. thin, that's and the, the stimulus is all eaten up. So there's, there's, kinda, there's nothing left to, to fuel it outside of low interest rates and risk aversion lending. So, you know, w are these the factors that are going into the uh, thinking about uh, a potential recession within the next two years? Uh, th those are the ones that I read about also, Scott, same ones. What is not talked about as much and the things that I look at more, more uh, um, forcefully is the fact that <clears throat> when there is a downturn, even if it's not a recession, and it's inevitably will have a, a slowdown in the economy because of the factors you mentioned, companies' cash flow will be insufficient at the marginal level, say at the B minus, triple C level, whereas before it was uh, able to cover the, uh, the interest costs. And there will be a pullback on risk capital. In other words, it will be much more difficult to get the liquidity that's in the system. So it's almost like, you know, the waves are going out and then uh, coming in, and now it's uh, right now ready to go out. Um, I have I scratch my head too to see 
us going sure. from three percent to negative that quickly. Uh, but this, uh, this has to do with the, uh, the flow effect uh, in the um, and the risk tolerance uh, out there. And right now, the risk tolerance is very high, and therefore, right. uh, it's risk on. That can change overnight, literally uh, on overnight. On a dime, right? On a dime, yeah. as we said. So, but I, I scratch my head too as to what is going to be the catalyst, and I have a feeling that part of it is going to be the lack of our ability to sell our products to other countries because they're going to have the problem. They already have the problem right? in many cases, and they're going to have it even worse. Professor Edward Altman, thank you so much for joining me on TMA Talks. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you. Congratulations on the fourth edition of your book, Corporate Financial Distress, Restructuring, and Bankruptcy. Where, where can people get that book, by the way? Well, there's lots of places. You can get it from the publisher, John Wiley. You probably pay a little bit of a premium. You get a nice hardcover. You can get it electronically from them at about uh, 40% less. And uh, there's always the ubiquitous Amazon. Uh, and uh, there it probably would be a hardcover, cheaper than the publisher, uh, uh, but not as cheap as the electronic copy. But I love my students to get the hard copy because then I can craft my little uh, signature next to it and tell, <laughs> tell them how smart they are to buy there, the book. There <laughs> you go. Well, uh, thank you again for spending time with me at TMA Talks today. And we look forward to following your continued journeys as the economic saga of the world unfolds. Thank, thank you. you, Scott. This is Scott Stewart. Thanks for joining me for TMA Talks today. <laughs>